We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, how we doing? Ivy Nation Sports Talk. We are up and rolling, and it is mailbag night as we get ready for Notre Dame and Clemson this Saturday night at Notre Dame Stadium. He's Vince D'Addario. I'm Sean Styers. Hope you're having a good one tonight. How are you tonight, Ben? I'm great. Uh, I am fantastic. As we uh, discussed yesterday, it was a carry-in at work today. So a lot of great food with little effort on my end. So I mean it's it was uh it was pretty Lots good. Too late though. <laughs> You're darn right I did. And I left it there. I didn't even take it home yet. I gotta see how Jesse's chili cook off yeah. went tomorrow. I haven't heard the results of that yet. So I mean it was looking a forward to that. So I, I expect that he brought his best. We're getting a few baseball questions actually in here tonight. It is it is mailbag night, so if you're sitting there in the chat throwing your question, I mean, it is Notre Dame Clemson. This is, I mean, this is yeah, one of the biggest, second biggest of the year. game of the season, right? Or at least to this point, anyway. So, no doubt, regardless of Notre Dame's record and everything that's happened up to this point, how can you not get excited for Clemson coming to Notre Dame Stadium? Night game, Seriously. light show, all of it. All. Did of you it. watch any of the World Series last night? Nope, not a second it, of it. Five home runs. Five home runs the Phillies hit. It was nuts. Bryce Harper is just coming unglued in this postseason, man. And and yeah, Phillies leads the series now, which is crazy. I know. There, one of our loyal followers, uh, I think Joe Poppity, is a uh, he's in the chat a lot, and you know he's one of the one of the people that we talk to. He's a Phillies fan. And he is just a glutton for punishment, man. Like, when the Phillies are losing, it's a conspiracy. It's hilarious. I just love watching his posts during the games because he gets so upset, and then he gets so elated when they do well. And uh, he just rides that wave of emotion, man. Like it is, he, is, he is the definition of a true fan. It's hilarious. Gotta love that. Gotta yep. love that. Speaking of true fans... Fans of Irish Breakdown, smash that like button if you would to help us out a little bit. Smash the like button, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. We'll just stick with a, a World Series question or two. This nice. is this is an interesting one here. Not World Series, but baseball. But Mark says, since you're baseball fans, what do you think would happen if the NFL outlawed catching gloves 
like the MLB does aluminum bats. Also, if baseball MLB was launched today, would it be a 162 game mm. season? There's a lot of there's a lot to dissect there with that yeah. question because what I will say is back when you and I played football, there were no gloves. Uh, I mean, they didn't really have right. the gloves like they have today. They were I, still using. We could use you know like stick them and stuff yeah. back then. Still, yeah, and it was you, you know, know Jack. What, I think it was Jack Tatum. Jack Tatum, I think, is the one that made it illegal. To when I when I was in high in. school, man, we didn't wear gloves. Like the only time we wore gloves was when it was like late in the season. It was cold outside. Like that's the only time you wore gloves. It never even occurred to me. Now you go into the sporty goods store. I don't know if you've ever put on a pair of those gloves, Sean. I don't know if they were around really when Jesse was playing i'm sure they started he was i was about to say you know he was a linebacker but he wore those gloves Dude. and they were filthy they were just like his hands would sweat in those things and they were the most disgusting oh. like they were worse than you know because like when i was in high school you're like speaking of what we use for baseball you know we had batting gloves but we sure. still smeared them in pine tar oh yeah know? so but i mean they're they're so sticky yeah, I, I know mean, you have to have like zero talent to catch the ball with some of these gloves that you can just buy at Dick's Sporting Goods. I mean, it is it is unbelievable the stick on these gloves. And but I mean, the stink is a whole other issue. We have that with cleats in my house. But the the stickum gloves, man, holy smokes! You don't even have to be a good receiver to catch a ball. So no, I actually I would not have a problem if they did away with the gloves. I really wouldn't. But they'll never happen because they want offense. No, that's, that's no, that's true. And. You know, like baseball with the aluminum bats. I mean, the wood bats did come first, and then the aluminum bats right. were kind of a product of. So you know, you had to go through some. You know, like I, you know, I was I'm old enough that I used a wooden bat in little league, and it's like we always used the team bat, and then finally, I remember I hit a home run, and my parents bought me my own bat. I'm like, Ooh. yeah, I got my own bat now. Hit the home run, you know, that's kind of the reward. So I've got this wooden bat. Guess what happens first game out? Broke it. Broke it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why they have aluminum bats. <laughs> well, and I mean, to be honest with you. For a little league and, and high school and college, obviously. For sure. But but they, they did away with it in the majors because it's freaking dangerous, man. Like, the, Well, they never had them in the majors. Well, yeah, I mean, but yeah. you know what I'm saying. A major like, leaguer. Yeah, a major leaguer with a bat speed <sighs> that those guys can generate would right. literally kill somebody hitting yes. with those bats. And to be honest with you, I'm surprised they still use them in college, uh, if I'm being honest. Now, they've deadened them, and they've done some different things, obviously. But still, the the bat speed that these college guys have is unbelievable. And if you get hit wrong with the ball coming off one of those bats, man, it, it's going to be serious. Yeah, as to the question of would it be 162 games season if they it's were a very random just number. starting today, you know, I don't know exactly what it would be, but you know, part of the thing about – I guess maybe it's tougher. Is you know what he's saying is like it's tougher for fans to get invested because the season is so long now. NBA seasons are long too, but they're yeah. still only what eighty-two games. You know, so you're talking about roughly half. But football being weak to you know it's basically because of the physicality and the owners. It's just I don't know. I I don't know if you know like would it be closer to a hundred games if they were doing it today and you're playing you know more like purely in the summer months as opposed to bleeding into november because yeah. you know the reason for everything right now is they get more tv revenue Absolutely. and that's, that's why they've got world series games in november instead of october now right and they, they and that's why they tried before the rain out to get all the world series games in before saturday and sunday when football happens 
I right. Mean, let's be honest. That's why they didn't want to do it on the weekends. All right. You want to get to some football questions? There's a, I mean, there, you know, I was worried there at first because it was a little slow starting, but I'll tell you what, man, the questions are coming in hot. So we got some good ones. Yeah, we do. Have you seen one that you want to start with? Is there a particular one? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'll just, I'll just, just do this before we, before we, oh, okay. uh, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and address another <laughs> baseball <laughs> question from Salty. Uh, you know, I did, I, you know, I said Astros in five and I just felt like you only have so many lives if you're the Phillies. I thought that this was going to run out at some time, you know, like when you, when you beat one of the best teams in baseball in the first round. Now they were fortunate. They only had to beat the Padres in the second round because the Padres knocked off the Dodgers, but I just felt like, okay, it's one thing to get to the world series going, yeah. you know, an 80, what was it? 87 win team. And, you know, like to just to get to the world series, you fire your manager early I was gonna in the say, season. They and the, the Astros manager. just look so damn good against the Yankees and against the Mariners yeah. too. And that's why I just thought that the Phillies luck was going to run out, but so much for that. Yeah. Five home runs last night said otherwise. I, I mean, it is, it is amazing if you think about the fact that they did fire their manager in the middle of the season. And they've got an interim manager that took them to the World Series and potentially win the World Series. You want to talk about contract negotiation leverage? <laughs> I mean, holy cow. That, I know. I mean, that's a story. Because, I mean, they're talking about what if Thompson, Thompson, by the way, University of Kansas alum, Ooh. 1984. There it just is. Just found that out this week. I didn't even know that. But, there it is. You know, the, the Phillies – interim manager how does he not get a contract at this point just just getting to the world series from yeah. where they were he's yeah. got to get a contract he's got to be a full -time guy. all right now let's do some football but you're right i actually i obviously have no choice but to recant my astros in five because there's no way <laughs> there's they can no win way, five no way that can happen that's right all right charles lynch 
Let's say Notre Dame wins out from here on out. How likely are there to be changes on the staff? This is kind of like the, uh, you know, the fallback to if Brian Kelly were to yeah. retire, Nick, you know, at the end of this year, who would be your list of yeah. candidates? Because right. it never seemed like it was actually going to happen. But then, of course, it did. Yeah, I know, but, right? Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll let you take this one first. I mean... There's going to be changes on the staff regardless of whether they win out or not because that's just how college football is, okay? It's not going to be changes on the staff the way people want them to be necessarily. Like, I don't think the day the season's over, they're going to fire Tommy Reese, right? Or he's going to accept a different job. Which, you know let's be saying? honest, that's what this question Absolutely, is. Absolutely, that's right? what this question is about. <laughs> Unless you, know? you say otherwise, Charles. I mean, now, that's what this question is. I, I mean, I've heard some rumblings that there is some discontent with some of the coaches on the staff at the moment but those are rumblings I don't know if there's any truth to that you know those rumblings and but if I was a betting man the chances of the exact same staff going from one year to the next are slim to none I mean you don't think Al Golden's looking for a head coaching job you don't think he's looking for maybe a coordinator's job at the NFL level I mean we know Tommy Reese wants a coordinator's job at the NFL level some of these younger guys that are on the staff, maybe they get a coordinator, you know, possibility or something along those lines. And maybe, maybe it's a guy that Marcus Freeman wants to keep around and, but he gets a better opportunity someplace else. I mean, th- yeah, I mean, just like last possibilities. Year, yes, know, exactly. Two guys he that had they, staff and it was, yeah, yeah. They had every intention of, of keeping two guys, but they both moved on and became offensive right. coordinators at yeah. other schools. You just, you just don't know how it's going to shake out. You know, last year was, was definitely, a huge shakeup to everybody. And part of, you know, part of the whole keeping Marcus Freeman on, there was going to be all this continuity because there were going to be a majority of assistants. Then the next thing you know, it's a majority of guys coming from outside. And like to tuck into your point about discontent, that's bound to happen because these guys haven't worked together before. None of these guys, the the only, you know, the closest thing that you have to guys working together is obviously Mickens and Freeman and then Mickens and Mason back in Cincinnati. And, and O'Leary then, was there when from one year with Freeman because he was you know the safeties coach. Right, Again, that's, that's true. Not, I forgot about that. It's not and a then, ton, right? And know? then Reese was here, but that is still an arranged marriage to some extent, for sure. So, and Reese know. was with He Stand before as a player. Yeah, as a, yeah. I mean, so you never there's know how that's a little all more than I thought, But still, there's like there's just a lot of but there's a lot of moving parts, and there was guys a lot who of, don't. Yeah, yeah, everyone who's working for. Tommy Reese, I'm trying to read. Yeah, everyone who's working for Tommy Reese is a new assistant coach. Right, so, exactly. On this staff anyway. So, so you're going to, I mean, there's going to be changes. I mean, there just yeah. always is for whatever reason, right? And I know that, I know Charles wants me to say that guys are going to get fired, uh, but that's not necessarily going to be the case. Yeah. And I think a lot of it depends on, we'll get part of that answer Saturday night, like, yeah. You know, are they just going to pound their head into a wall? You know, those kind of things, because right. there's a we'll go ahead to salt these questions against Clemson strong run defense. Do you run first to open the pass or pass first to open the run? I think you've got to figure out what's successful. But, yeah. uh, you know, part of that to me is the short answer to the question is you can't just play the, the power run game that they've been playing against these other teams right. and think that that's going to succeed against Clemson. You have to be more diverse. They're going to have to mm-hmm. find ways to throw the ball, kind of like we were touching on last night. Best way, for, as, as far as I'm concerned, or 
an important way to do that is using those running backs. But we've been talking about that for a while. The running backs have disappeared from the passing game. Yeah. I don't know. Does it reemerge Saturday night? I would hope so if you want to be successful. Yeah, yeah and I, it's it'll be interesting. They're going to do both. It's gonna it, to me to be honest with you, salty. It's kind of a chicken and an egg debate, right? You know, do you know what comes first, the run to open up the pass or the pass to open up the run? You need both. You're gonna need both to be successful. I don't care which one you run first, you know, in the first series or which one you run second or whatever. You're gonna have to take what the defense gives you to a degree, but you're gonna have to be able to run the ball too. Yeah. You have to. So the only, the only pass play I would want on my first play of the game, you know, like if you're talking about, you know, is, is line up in that I formation and go play action, you know, to Audric and throw something, you know. Otherwise, I just they didn't have much success with with Drew Pine throwing on first down last week, and in general, that's been an issue. But you know, again, it's like. There are different things you can do with with play action that aren't just straight fake it up the middle type stuff. A lot of it goes back to what we saw against North yeah. Carolina, though, where you're faking in one direction and then you've got wide receivers, tight ends moving in the other direction, or even a running back in the you know like so it's not just play action, but it's like some misdirection stuff with it to open things up, you know. And again, the creativity has disappeared from this playbook, but this is. The second best team, you know, maybe even the best team, but you know, Ohio State is ranked ahead of Clemson right now. Sure, this is one of the two best teams that they played all season. You're going to have to be more diverse yes. than just power run football if you're going to beat them. Yep, no question. You got to be diverse in the run game. You're going to have to be diverse in the passing game. You're going to have to stretch the field. I mean, you have to do all these things that we've been talking about. And by the way, that we have seen at one point or another. I know at Notre Dame this year. I mean, it's not like it's completely foreign to this team. We've seen it. We just need to see it all at the same time, you know, in the same game, in the same game plan. That's the big question mark going into this. Yep. Gavin, I'd really like to see the Irish go with 12 personnel package that involves Mayer, Colsey, Tobias, and another tight end. Pick your poison, especially in the red zone. What's y'all's thoughts? I mean, look, they're going to go 12 personnel. There's You're no going to see 12 that. personnel. There's Based no doubt about that. <laughs> and we've seen the 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 tall uh what would they call it the tall package, right? Uh they had something similar out there. So I, I think you will see that. Are you when, talking about are, are you talking about the alleged 14 personnel? <laughs> it wasn't actually 14, or is that something else? No, they had they had Colsey and Merriweather and uh Jaden Thomas, I think, on the field at the same time with Mayer. And I thought that. Marcus Freeman said something about a tall package or okay. some, something along those lines. So, I mean, it's clear that they're kind of mixing up the packages, which I do like. I mean, they're they're trying to think outside the box a little bit, which is fantastic. But you're going to see 12 personnel. Will you see 12 with Colsey and Tobias? I'm not sure, but you're going to see 12. That seems to be their favorite package, to be You're going to at some point, and I think that there are times that they're definitely blocking better out of 12 personnel but again i think like 12 made sense against syracuse the right. two tight end yeah. stuff because this is the one one of the few things that i think greg mcelroy hit in in his analysis during the game is because of notre dame's size and because of the speed of syracuse's defense and the fact that they you know have that 335 
look yeah. where they've got some pretty quick linebackers. Trying to run outside made no sense against them. Against a fast team, right. you want to pound it up the middle. Against a power team, which is more like Clemson, you do, you're going to need to attack the perimeters. Now, Clemson has some fast linebackers as well. So it's not just like run outside. That's, you know, you're always going to be successful, but you can't just line up and pound it. You know, like I think we'll probably see a lot of 11 personnel because they've done a lot of that I this agree. year as well. So, but, but I've, you know, on repeated record as, as being a bigger fan of 21 personnel, 21, which, yeah. which is all but disappeared from the offense. Well, and I, and I think if, you know, they're going to have to vary it, right? I mean, they're, they're just, they're going to have to be multiple. You're, you're going to have to run inside. You're going to have to run outside as to steal a, a, a phrase from Newt Rockney, right? We're going to go inside. We're going to go outside, you know, and we're going to get them on the run. We're going to keep them on the run. You're going to have to go deep. You're going to have to go short. You're going to, you're going to have to do all of these things, right? You can't just bang your head against the wall, just doing one thing over and over because Clemson is good enough to adjust, right? If you continuously go outside, they're going to adjust. If you continuously go inside, they're going to adjust. You've got to be able to hit them when they're not ready for certain things. I mean, you have to be multiple. That's going to be the key here against a good defense. I concur. Let's see. David wants to know how much pressure is on the coordinators Saturday. I mean, there's pressure on the entire coaching staff. It's the number four team in the country. I mean, there, there's, there's, there's pressure on Marcus Freeman. There's pressure on the coordinators. I mean, I don't think it's any more than any other game, if I'm being honest with you. I, I think that they have to bring their best game. I think if Al Golden had, brings a game plan like he did to the first half of the Syracuse game, defense is going to be all right. You know, if if Tommy Reese can get back in a time machine and go back to the North Carolina game, I think the offense is going to be all right. You know, so there doesn't have to be a lot of pressure on the coordinators. They, we've seen them do it. They just need to do it again. That's it. They both called really good you know offense defense at times but at other times there have been some slippages and that's we we just we know it's there we just got to see it now you know like Al Golden for the most part called a really good game against Ohio State and yeah you know unfortunately the offense couldn't sustain anything long enough I think that I do think that that played into Ohio State you know the long touchdown drive in the fourth quarter and just the sure. fact that Ohio state was able to come, you know, come back and, and, and win in the, you know, zero coverage obviously doesn't help either. But I just, I think that, that the fact that Notre Dame's offense couldn't compete enough in that game ultimately led to the way things turned out. But look, that's, that's the best evidence that we have that Notre Dame can play with a really good team right. of this caliber. So this is the second opportunity since then. So I don't know that yeah. there's pressure. It's just that, you know, because again, you know, like when you, if we're talking about pressure from like, you know, are they fearing for their jobs and that kind of stuff? I, I don't know if there's as much of that internally as, right, right. you know, is, is boiling Not on one from game. the outside. Not on yeah. one game. I mean, that's right. Th that's that's going to be evaluated yeah. over the course of 12 to 13. Right. Absolutely agree with that. And, Absolutely. you know, the, the relationships that, the, you know, coach and, you know, everybody else has and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Ian says, how do the position coaches learn all the plays that Tommy Reese has? Is there difficulty there that keeps Tommy Reese from letting position coaches have more control over personnel choices? Number one, it's their job uh, to know the playbook. So you have no choice. You only must do it. I mean, 
that's their job, okay, is to know the playbook. And they have to know the playbook in order to teach their players the playbook. So it's just like a teacher. I got to know my stuff before I can teach my students their stuff. It's the same thing when you're coaching. You've got to know, you've got to understand the drills that you're running You have to, and, and, and how they apply to the game. You have to understand the playbook and how to relay that to your student, you know, your players. I said students, your players. I mean, that, that's what it's all about. I mean, you the have students to know. to an extent. Yeah, they are. And playbooks are interesting because it's not like you've got 750 individualized plays. It's formation, it's tags, it's concepts, it's different things. And they kind of, it's like a math class. They kind of all build off of each other. So if you understand the foundation, then you can understand tags, you can understand how one thing goes to another and you throw in like a, a motion or a shift or all the, it all builds on each other. So it's not like you have to memorize 700 different plays. You have to understand concepts and then how they build off of each other. So, right. Yes, they can do it. They're all adults. There's like a base play. And then, like you said, each guy right. has a piece within you. Like when you hear like, you know, 65 razor X curl, Z fly, you know, that kind of thing. The X, the X is the X receiver who's going to run a curl. Right. You know, the, the Z is going to run a, you know, fly, you know, that kind of thing. So there's, there's, you know, it's uh, to someone who hasn't been deep in a college playbook, it would probably be, <laughs> it would seem like a foreign language. I think if you were oh, sitting sure. there trying to learn it, but these guys have been, in, it, it's been, a, it's basically a part of their life, you know, because they all played college football and right. You know, and some of them, obviously, even in, in the NFL. So you know, and if, they've, they've been there before. If somebody like Tommy Reese sat down with you, and ex- if you have any knowledge of football to begin with, right? If you have a, a cursory knowledge of football and you can you understand the makeup of an offense, if Tommy Reese sat down with you and explained his offense, he's going to start at the beginning, the base stuff, and then you'll see how it builds off of that, right? I mean, that's that's how any offense is built, whether you're running the triple option or whether you're running spread or or run and shoot or any of that stuff, there's always a base and then it just builds off of that. So, and again, that's what these guys do for a living. They're making six figures plus to memorize a playbook. They can do it. Right. I don't mean to talk down to anybody. That's not Memorize a playbook and teach it to their players. Yes, absolutely. Not make it more complicated than it has to be. Well, but no. So Irish in Ohio says, if Notre Dame wins out, do you consider the season a success? Nope. No way. This season is not a success when you lose to Marshall and Stanford, period. Now, is it as much a success as you can make it at this point? Well, yeah, of course. Right. You know, right. And there's positive things you can take from it. But if you told me at the beginning of the season that they lose to Stanford and Marshall, it's not a successful season. I'm sorry. You, you, you drop the ball big time against those two opponents, period. Yes. And we talked about it yesterday, right, Sean, when Jesse said if they can beat Clem- uh, Clemson and USC, does it erase those two losses? No. To me, it does not erase those two losses in any way, shape, or form. It's great that you won those games. You can build off of that, and it could be great, but it doesn't erase the two losses. No, I completely agree. And I think just what you said, it's from where the season is now, if you win out, that's a good building point because then you're right. going to finish – nine and three but it can't be a success because if you beat clemson and usc with that narrow loss to ohio state all you had to do is take care of business and you're, yep. you're right in there possibly in the college football playoff 
Absolutely. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but you're definitely going to be in a New Year's Six Bowl. Had a really good chance to be in the playoffs, so you can't consider it a success. It's it's a consolation prize. Now, again, like when, when we look at where Marcus Freeman is as a head coach and the lumps he has taken sure. to this point, if and it's still a big if there are four games left for sure if they win those if they win those four games it is at least a good sign yes that maybe some things have been you know absolutely righted and 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 that kind of stuff you know redirected and and you know he's he's definitely grown as a coach over the course of the year but i don't think i don't think it could be considered a success because of what you said you still lost at home to two Right, the teams absolutely, and like you said, it shows growth in Marcus Freeman. It shows growth right. in the staff and this team, and all of those different things. Again, you can take it and you can not spin it, but you can find positive things about it. I'm not saying that it's not positive. I'm saying right. it's not a success. Okay, right. if and we're going to look at the entirety of the season, correct, it's not a success. But if you're looking at it as kind of a a springboard, sure. From, again, from where the season yes. began and where it is right now, you might, you know, you can, again, it's a good springboard. Absolutely. There are good things that you can take from it. Yep. But big picture, I don't think you can call it a successful season because of the fact right. that you lost two games you should have won Handily. at home. And if you win those games, you're in a New Year's Six Bowl slam dunk, maybe even in the college football yes. playoffs. If they if they win those because Ohio games. State's going to be as long as Ohio State wins out and we'll address that one next. But as as long as Ohio State wins out, they're going to be in the playoff. Yes. So no because question. of that, and you lost a close game at Ohio State, just like with the losses to Georgia in the past. If you kept winning and t- and took care yes. of your business, worst case, you were probably going to be fifth. At worst case, worst I, case. To be because honest of, with you, because again, if Ohio State yeah. beats Michigan, they're in the playoff. They're going to be undefeated. Right. You're going to be sitting there with with a really good case to be included in the playoff in that in that scenario. If Notre Dame, you know, loses to Ohio State, which they did, and then they win out, and you're you're sitting at eleven and one. First of all, the first college football playoff selection that came out last night, you're in the top five, top five, top six. You're right there knocking on the door of the top four, and two of those teams could potentially lose this weekend. Okay, so you're right there in the conversation for the college football playoff. Then you're saying you win out. So now you're 11 and one. Your only loss is a close loss to Ohio State, probably their closest game of the season of an undefeated Ohio State. You're in. You're in because I just don't see that many. Number one, number one, I don't see that many undefeated teams at the end of the season. Right. And Notre Dame's resume will say that they beat one, two, three, four, five ranked teams. When they played them. Yeah. BYU, Syracuse, North Carolina, Clemson, and USC. Five ranked teams that you played and defeated in your, I mean, come on. And you played a sixth. So you're five and one against ranked teams. So half of your games were against ranked teams and you were five and one and you're 11 and one at the end of the year. You're in. I'm sorry. You're in. So, but that's the pipe world that we wished we lived in. And it is not one that we currently live in. So. Uh, in two years, if they win a national championship, nobody cares that Notre Dame went nine and three this year. Nobody. It's fine. Right. It was a great learning experience for Marcus Freeman. Look where we are now. So go win a national championship, and we can forget about losing to Marshall and Clemson and, and Stanford. Yeah, yeah. 
you can say the end of the season is successful, but I don't think you right, can call but not the whole season. thing. Yeah, yeah, no way. Not when you lose those two games at home. Ohio State and Michigan shaping up to be a well of a game. Do you pull for one of them or hope for a giant sinkhole swallowing <laughs> the stadium? Well, I'll vote for the sinkhole. I mean, the sinkhole would be fantastic because not only are you losing two of the programs, but you're also losing a bunch of obnoxious fans. Yes. So that would be kind of a win-win-win situation. But since that's not going to happen, I will be pulling for Ohio State. Not 100% I will be pulling for Ohio State. No part of me will be rooting for Michigan. Sorry. Yeah, I have always taken the the uh, the tact that when these two teams play, I pull for the team that's going to screw up the other season the most. But if they <laughs> end up playing undefeated, obviously, you know somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose, and you know it's it's just. I, I suppose in that case, I would pull for Ohio State, but it is really tough. It uh, is. That's yeah. That's why I vote for the sinkhole. <laughs> <laughs> I vote for the sinkhole too. That's number one by far. Uh, Tyler wants to know: Are you going to wear your same sweatshirt and hat from last Saturday? Yep, absolutely. I again, I I feel like I I I have fallen into the fandom, man. I feel like what I wear will affect the outcome of the game. So I will one hundred percent. Not only will I wear it on the show, I'm wearing it to the stadium. Okay, so I'm wearing it in the press box. Hoodie, hat, the whole deal, man. So I'm going all out. Let me see. Mr. 2.0, true or false? True or false? Marcus Freeman and Brian Kelly have had a conversation in the last four weeks. I mean, I'm not standing next to Marcus Freeman all day, but yeah. I'm going to go with false. There's I, no chance. I did that see happened. Kelly did a podcast with somebody. I, okay. I, I, I just saw it was on Twitter, like some of the the quotes and stuff like that, but he had, you know, vague sort of general things, you know, good things to say about Notre Dame, basically trying not to say anything. So he doesn't stick his foot in his mouth, which for him is it's, like, that's uh, that's maturity step like, in the right direction. Oh, you no know? doubt so, about that. <laughs> foot in mouth disease. Um, we are not Marshall. Is Marcus Freeman the anti-BK? He wins all the big games, but stinks up the place against lesser <laughs> folks. Well, he hasn't won a big game yet. He did lose to Ohio State. I mean, yeah. it, we I think we all probably feel like it was a closer game than if BK was here, but we don't know that, and he didn't win. And so you're kind of splitting hairs at that point. BK lost his fair share. Hold on. Say, let's not forget about Tulsa and maybe multiple teams. times. Yeah, That's right. So, you know, he doesn't have South a sporting resume. That's right. It's not like he never lost to any bad right. teams. Right. So. so I don't want to say he's the anti-BK because you have to win those low games, right? And I think once Marcus Freeman is on solid ground as a head coach, that is going to happen. Now, there's still no excuse for it not happening this year, but I think he'll be fine in that regard. Uh, but you have to take your hat off the BK. He did win all of those games that he was supposed to win. At the end. Yes, at the end, post-2016. Because 2016, I don't know if anybody remembers, was a dumpster fire. Yes. Major. I mean, oh, my goodness. It was horrible. Brent, for the love of God, find Lindsey. He's always open. What do you think of Clemson's secondary? I think it's something that, that Notre Dame can exploit if the quarterback is capable of seeing open receivers and hitting them. 
Yes. And I don't know what to say. You know, the last game, he didn't play a whole lot. Now it's supposed to be because he was sick or whatever, or he was coming off of an Even though he played or, special teams. Right, which is puzzling. I will say that. And uh, Colsey, I mean, yes, Colsey, he stepped up. Colsey outproduced what Lindsey was producing. Right. So he did. And I thought that uh, Tobias Merriweather blocked very well. I thought Lorenzo Styles blocked very well. So, I mean, the guys that were in there did a good job. So, Again, the lack of depth in the wide receiver room still hasn't bothered me yet this season. Marcel, what coach came with Coach Freeman when he came to Notre Dame? Wasn't it O'Leary? No. No. It was, um, no. Nope, Mickens nobody. was already here before yeah, him. Yeah, he came solo. Yeah. Um, he did not come with anyone. It wasn't uh, like the situation before two defensive coordinators ago where he brought the linebacker coach. Like, that's right. not how that went. So uh, he came by himself. Now he had a relationship, obviously, with Mike Mickens because they coached together at Cincinnati, but Mickens was a year prior. And I believe O'Leary was a grad assistant, or he was – was he a grad assistant? But he, he was known by the staff. I know that. Like, I want to say he was a grad assistant at Notre Dame and got promoted to the safeties coach, but – I don't know that for 100% certain. I'll kind of look that up as we go here. Yeah, that sounds right. I'm trying, like, all those, the titles, like, that's where O'Leary kind of came from, you know, more, I think, like you said, grad assistant and, and kind of worked his way into being an assistant. But he, but he was already here as so well. So he was a uh, grad assistant at Georgia State, graduate assistant at Georgia Tech, or, or Georgia State and Florida Tech. Then he was at Notre Dame. He was a defensive analyst. He was a grad assistant. And then he's the the defensive backs coach. So safeties. So yeah, he was from Notre Dame from 2018 until the present. Brent wants to know if, if Pine is capable of playing his best game if given all receivers step up and raise their level as well. In other words, do we have a shot at beating Clemson? Well, I mean, it's bigger than... The, all of that, but at the same time, we talked about the fact that I thought all of the offensive uh, skill players, the offensive line, they all took a step forward against Syracuse, except for the quarterback. If they all continue doing what they're doing, and the quarterback takes his game to a, a, another level, back to where he was against, you know, uh, North Carolina, even BYU. If we get BYU, Drew Pine... Notre Dame has a great shot of beating Clemson. That's what I'll say. <laughs> I agree with that. Over there? <laughs> and I was reading one of the comments. That's what I was laughing at. Okay. I wasn't laughing at what you said. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll put it up. It's I got to start here so it doesn't go away. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Is he capable of it? Yes. But for some reason, right. it's disappeared for three games in a row. And it is very concerning because if he plays like he's played the last three games, it's not going to be a, a game worth watching, unfortunately, Saturday night. You cannot play. Now, this is not Clemson of like four years ago, you know, when they were peak Clemson with, with sure. those defenses. But it's still a good defense. There are things that can be exploited with that secondary. But it's upon Drew Pine to be able to, again, to hit the passes because there have been – plenty of open guys and yes. where he's really gotten into trouble is again you know like more of this zone stuff where they're dropping eight guys into coverage and they're just rushing three and i've got to think that clemson can feel pretty comfortable well i guess 
the matchup with the off, like I was looking at, you know, like defensive line versus pine, but you know, that it's going to be a big matchup. Can yeah. Clemson get that kind of pressure? You know, where are they going to bring pressure for, you know, like, are they going to be, what's, how's that going to shape up between their defensive lineman and Notre Dame's offensive line? But yeah, absolutely. Pine's got to have a game. He doesn't have to have the best game of his life. He just has to be consistent, not make stupid mistakes, you know, hit guys when they're open, not lock in on Michael Mayer. Those are all things that he's been doing recently, but they've right. also got to give him a run game. Yes. And as we talked about yesterday, they've got to give him some layups he can hit early on to yeah. get his confidence going. I think that is such a big part of it for Drew Pine is just getting right. some early confidence and not feeling like he's, you know, kind of playing catch up the whole game. Get him some early confidence. I think that's huge for him. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, and I, like I said, I haven't been upset with the wide receiver room because I don't think any of the shortcomings so far for this season have been their fault, to be honest. And, and I mean, they're getting open. They're not getting found. Yes. Have there been some drops by, you know, Lorenzo styles? Absolutely. No, no question about it. Right. But there's also been plenty of opportunities that the quarterback has missed where the wide receivers, wide receivers have been open. Yes. If all wide, all open wide receivers are hit, even 80% of the open wide receivers are hit. Notre Dame is seven and one right now. And I'm not here. You know, I don't think any of us are picking on Drew Pine by saying this, but you know, Lorenzo Styles has four drops. There are many more than four plays that Drew Pine has tried to force a ball right. to Michael Mayer when someone else was completely uncovered. Or, you know, then like if you add on, you know, like the overthrow to Lindsay, throwing the ball, you know, at, at Lorenzo Styles' feet, you know, all the, you know, like easy passes that are there for him it's just like he's trying too hard you know again i think it comes down to getting some confidence yep. early and I, I just really you know like they got it you know they were running the ball so well then all of a sudden the second half comes last week and it's like oh now let's throw on first down yeah. without even really using play action if i remember right you yeah. know it's like what what i just i don't get which the run you know again it's a recurring theme it's not all on drew pine but right this is what I was laughing at earlier. I'm not sure. We are not Marshall. Can we get Sean on a post game? Bring him in for the shenanigans. I don't know. One, I've got other things that I have to do with the post game. So that's correct. That's, that is correct. Yes, I have writing assignments and press conference coverage. But but I, there guys, is there are is there talk. a lot of shenanigans in the post game or? Well, there's a lot of bitching and moaning usually. So well, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> but there, I I will say. Uh, and I need to remember to do this. There might be a new face on the post game show. So Ooh. you need to remind me after the show. I need is to it, uh, reach out. Is it like a well known face? I is think it's it... a well known face. Yes. Okay. Very well known. My opinion. Interesting. Interesting. We kind of asked Brent's, we, we kind of answered this that Brent has. Is Pine capable of playing his best game yes. given all receivers to? I think he's capable of it. Right. Just has to do it. Just has to do it. Exactly. You know, Clemson secondary is very vulnerable. They, you can beat Clemson secondary. Wake Forest did it the entire game. You can do this. Like, it can happen, right? But we need to see it. It just needs to happen. I don't, you know. Right. There is no try. There is only do. <laughs> you got it. That's what it comes down to. You've just, he's just got to do it. That's what it's, that's what it is. Uh, Marcel says, hey, guys, I think Brent Smith is right. Freeman brought Chad Bowden. He did, but you guys asked us what coaches he brought. Chad Bowden is not a coach. He works in the office. Right. So 
That is accurate. 100% accurate. He did come, and he's been a huge asset to this program. He's just not a coach. So that's why I didn't say him. But you're 100% correct. Right. I just got another Brent one. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hit, like, all these Brent ones at once. Yeah, but, I, I mean, Brent's had some good is. stuff. So, yeah. If Notre Dame finishes 3-1, and one, bowl victory, do you consider 2022 a success? Nope. <laughs> It's not a success. I mean, go back on that. Uh, no, not a success. Is it, it? Are there positives you can take from it? Yes. I mean, I don't want to repeat myself, but it's not a success. No, I cannot use that word. Yeah, I would just go back to what we were saying before. If if that happens, you know, even three and one means you're splitting with USC and um, Clemson, which means that you're going to finish eight and four, and then you're going to if you win a bowl game, you're you're, you're going to be playing in a in a lower tier bowl game, so theoretically you should win that game. But then Music you're City Bowl, baby, Nashville. Here we come I mean, again. It's it's a it's a good ending to what started off yes. very poorly, but right. I just don't think you can call the whole season successful. Right. You know, I think it, it's what what it's really going to be is Marcus Freeman's learning curve, and if they're able right. to pull that off with another win against a ranked team. And, and potentially, a, a, you know, yet another ranked team in that bowl game, there's still good things that you can take from that. But you can't call Absolutely. the whole season a success because, you again, you lost at home yeah. to Marshall and Stanford. It's lipstick on a pig, people. Like, I mean, you can't, it, it, you can't lose to Marshall and Stanford and call your season a success. I don't care what else happens. Vince, Vince you just had to walk off. Lipstick on a pig. That's all you had to say. <laughs> lipstick uh... on a pig. Charles wants to know if we think the 2023 starting quarterback is on the current roster. This is going to piss a lot of people off, and I apologize, but yes. Yes, he is. He is on the roster, and he sits in the booth for every game. I mean, he could be on the field Saturday night, but not necessarily on the Notre Dame roster. Well, look at you. That's interesting. <laughs> That's, I'm uh, just saying that a statement, pal. if Club Nick, you know, is what he's supposed to be. And there's already talk about Club Nick and everything else. Who's to say that Uyangalale doesn't transfer someplace? Next uh, that's season. a hard pass. I don't want him. <laughs> I, 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 You're not confident? Tell no. can turn him into a if I wanted a, quarterback. If I wanted a statue, I would just go out and chisel out uh, the, the, you know, Lou Holt statue from outside well, the stadium and just put it right behind, you know, the offensive line. Statue won some games last year. I know. And he's winning a lot of games this year. There ain't no. But, yeah, that's a, that's a pass for me. Who's eight no? DJ. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, I was talking, talking about Jack Cohn. I'm yeah. sorry. Not, not, not the same statue. I'm Jack talking Cone. about in this off. Yeah, different statue. <laughs> <laughs> he's collecting an unemployment check. Right. As much as I would love to have Jack Cohn at the moment. But, uh, you know, say la vie. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Milton Fan 15, do you think we have issues with home games because T. Reese can't 
Kent game due to all the 2023 quarterback recruits he's hosting for official visits. So in other words, he's too busy hosting recruits to ah. pay attention to the game. I think it's what he's getting at. Well, then he's doing poorly at both. So, uh, <laughs> and he's not hosting them while the game is going on. No, so. he's not. He's hosting them during the day, and that's great. But here's the problem: no one's committed in the 23 class, so he has failed miserably in that regard, and he has pretty much failed at home as a coordinator as well. So, that's not a good ratio for me right now. If he was winning at one or the other, then yeah, okay, okay. But he's not. So that's a problem right now. Oh, boy. Here's the million-dollar question from Irish in Ohio. Would you say the offensive struggles are more coaching or quarterback? You can't say both. You have to pick one. My dinner just arrived. Ah. All right. Uh, so I uh, I'm going to go. I know where I'm leaning. I hate to do this for uh, to Drew, but I'm going to go with quarterback. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I – I just think he has, you know, there have been game plan issues. Don't get me wrong. There have been. But he's also not completing the stuff that he should be completing. So if he does that, they win by a bigger margin in some game. You know, I, I think if he is a little bit more efficient, and I'm not asking him to be, you know, a five-star, but I think if he's a little bit more efficient, I think this offense is humming a little bit better right now. So I'm going to go quarterback. I'm going to go the other direction because even though I agree, like if you look at Stanford specifically, there are a half dozen passes in that game that if he hits, the game is a different outcome. They end up winning that game. But at the same time, I still feel like the offensive coordinator has to put him in better positions and get Fair. the best skill position talent and utilize that talent to the best of its capabilities. And I don't feel like they've done that. The running backs, you know, Michael Mayer is an All-American tight end, but he is one of, what, four, five tight ends in the room. The running back group as a position, those three guys, it's the best position group that they have. And Top to bottom, yeah. They're not utilizing it to its full capabilities the way they were against North Carolina and BYU. If they do more of that, I think that it it gives Drew Pine, you know, again, like we talk about getting him more confident, doing things that give him more layups to hit, you know, those kind of things. I just feel like they've gone away from, from utilizing. I, I just, I, I'm not saying it's the only thing, but they've gone away from utilizing the running backs consistently in the yeah. passing game. And that's when he was at his best, when the running backs were more involved in the passing game. So I put, you know, again, there's there's fingers to point on both sides, but I put more of it on the guy calling the shots to put the quarterback that he has in a better position. Because again, if you go back to Tyler Buckner, when Tyler Buckner was the quarterback, he could have he he could have been doing the same thing. Like we said, he could have Buckner could have been running the same offense Drew Pine was running, but they ran a completely different offense for him you know there needs to be one offense no, he messed that up like yeah. I, he was trying to use Tyler Buckner as the entire offense running throwing the whole thing and that just wasn't the way to go at all at yeah. all I, that was very poor in my opinion as well yeah and you know the the martial loss isn't on Drew Pine 
You know, no, it's, it's not. That game was lost oh. before he came in. Yes, exactly. No doubt about it. Exactly. <laughs> True or false? Lincoln Riley kicks puppies and pushes down old ladies. Thanks in advance for your objective take. IB, peace be with you. Well, he can pay for their medical bills, so it's he okay. might be at USC, but I'll say false. <laughs> so, just because I have to <laughs> actually respond to this, I guess you. I'll let you respond. Yeah, I was. Uh oh, I was trying to block some some of the bots there. I already got one. I think I got them. You already get one. Yeah, right. it's like pulling out the fly swatter. I know. Seriously. All right, I'm going to save this. We just got a super chat. I'm going to save that for rapid fire. Okay. I think. Oh, my. Um, Ian, if you were a wide receiver, would you rather get two catches on deep shots or six on shorter routes, i.e. quantity mm. or quality slash big plays? Dude, I'm a burner. I'm going deep. You're hitting me deep, and we're going to strike up the fight song. Two big catches is two touchdowns, baby. Right. Bum, 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 bum. That's how, boom. That's what we're doing. That's right. Nobody remembers those little slants and digs no. and comebacks. It's it's the Tobias Merriweather deep post that everyone remembers, right? Called, that's he's that's like one the, ball. That's right. <laughs> he's got one ball, and that's the one everybody talks about. It's right. like a mythical catch, is what yep. it is. <laughs> yep. That's right. That's right. Take the quantity every time. Um, where was another one that I just saw? There's a couple. That's a good I'm... question, though. That's a fun one. Yeah, See, those no. are fun questions, baby. I like that. Yeah. Not Tyler what wants to know how we'd rank the Auburn job. I mean, it's in the SEC. It's a yeah. good job. There's already talk that, you know, you know, like Lane Kiffin would Lane Kiffin leave Ole Miss to go to Auburn and and that kind of stuff. I mean, they've won a national championship in mm -hmm. the last 15 years. Yeah, not that so, long ago. Yeah. I I think it's a good job. I mean, you're in Alabama, so you're in fertile recruiting ground. You're always going to come in second to Alabama when it comes to recruiting. I get that. But you have get somebody in there who's a hustler, man. You can get a ton of talent down there at Auburn. You've got the fact, again, like you said, you're in the SEC, so you've already got a leg up. You're going to be getting all kinds of money there. You've got all kinds of support. I'm, it, I think it's a pretty good job. I really do. It's a, you know, if you're going to rank like all, it's a top 25 job, I would say. Sure. Wouldn't you For say? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it might even be top 20. I'm saying top 25 because I want to make sure, you know, I'm where I'm at. But, like, it's a good job. It, yeah. I, if I'm a – I'd have I, to sit back, you know, like – Right. It's it's one of the top jobs still, I think, in the SEC, you know. I agree. Alabama. And, you know, let's be honest now. Alabama was a traditional name, but Nick Saban turned it back into a good job even. You know, part of it, part of it has to do with – Honestly, who's there and sometimes who's writing the checks, you know, but that's not wrong. Alabama, LSU. I mean, you know, Tennessee, when Phil Fulmer, there was a good job for a long time and Johnny Majors before that, but it's been some lean years in between what they sure. finally got this year. So like I wouldn't, I consider Auburn a better job year in and year out than I consider Tennessee. You know, so right. I think I you're right. I, you know, it might even be top twenty. You know, not just you. You might be able to, you know, kind of cut those other five off. Not even top twenty-five. Probably in and, the top twenty. I hate to say it, but if you know Dion goes to Auburn, I, I've heard that is a possibility, and yeah. I'm sure his son's going to come with him. I mean, 
they could be really good really fast, to be honest with you, because Dion's going to bring in talent. And I, I know that he's kind of doing his thing down at Jackson State, and there's talent gap and all of that. But at the same time, man, number one, he can recruit. Number two, he's got a name. And number three, you give him the resources at Auburn. I'm telling you right now, Auburn can compete sooner than later. I concur. I concur with that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Salty wants to know, given the way the season's played out, will Ohio State or Clemson be the biggest game? Well, both. Well, as I say, both teams were undefeated when you played them. The way it's played out, they lost to Ohio State. If they can beat Clemson, Clemson's the bigger game. Becomes the bigger game, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So there you go. There's my answer. Yeah. I mean, if they lose to Clemson, it's just another loss in and a, a, you know a disappointing season because it's already lost number four. Right. And then you're you're staring at the possibility of of loss number five in a couple of weeks. So yeah, I think if they win, it's definitely yeah, Clemson. no I doubt. That's, I, I, I'm not. Unless I'm missing something, I don't know what other way we can look at that. Does Tennessee this year feel like 2019 LSU flash in the pan? I guess, you know, it's so hard to judge in the moment, but like Hendon Hooker, Virginia Tech transfer, you know, so they obviously had to get him to be a part of that, but they've got the best offense in the SEC, and... The transfer portal is just, especially for these other programs, it's not as big a factor for Notre Dame unless guys leave. Incoming transfer portal guys are not as big a factor. But for all these other state schools around the the country, that portal is such a huge thing. So I'm really impressed with what what Heupel's done in a pretty short amount of time because he was, you know, again, like with where Tennessee has been with the ups and downs and, you know, the athletic director, Danny White, brought him over from UCF when he came in and, and they've it's it's pretty impressive what they've been able to do. Are they going to be able to sustain it? That's man. I, I mean, know. I think the the nail on the head for me, the difference for me from this Tennessee team to the LSU team is coaching. I mean, I, I trust Josh Josh Heupel more than I trust the Gumbo King. That's a you good know, point. I mean, I I just because feel the Lumbo like King had a lot of talent on that roster. He did. But Tennessee he also, didn't start with the talent on the roster like Orgeron started. And he also, and he also had he also had one heck of an offensive coordinator who left. Yeah. After that season was over too, and he's the reason they won that national championship, not Eddie O. Right. And so, I mean, Ed Ed did his thing. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he's still the head coach, but at the same time. He didn't have success before or after Brady showed up. So I, I feel like he was more the reason for the success. He was the reason for the offensive explosion, et cetera. I mean, I feel like the coaching is more significant at Tennessee with Hypel. I agree. Here's one from Domer since birth. Gents, do you believe Kelly knew of the struggles that could arise this year with certain aspects of the roster, quarterback, linebacker, and got out of town timely, intentionally, cashed out his chips early? like 2%. I mean, I think that might've been a very, 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 very small percentage of why he left. He left because he felt he was undervalued and underpaid and wasn't getting another raise. And he found a school that was going to give him more money. So he left period. That's what it was. He checked out halfway through last year because he, he was told he wasn't going to get another raise until something changed. Right. He's pissed. And so he started shopping around. 
he found somebody to give him a big paycheck. Maybe that's he the left. thing too. Is like every time he got that little, you know, kind of, kind of tingle, it's like go ask for another raise. Yeah. Know, like, can I get go 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 to go to mom and dad and ask for that allowance raise? And it's like, look, kid, you know, just do your chores. You you've come to us for enough raises in your allowance. Just do your job yes. now and quit coming to me and asking for more money. We just gave you more money. You know. Right. Maybe exactly. your girlfriend, if, if your girlfriend had, you know, like, like lesser taste, you wouldn't need so much money, you know, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I, I don't, but I, it. yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I, I don't think that it has as much to do with that. I know that's kind of become a popular theory. Like when you look at how things have gone this year, I think this year is still more about first year head coach, sure. growing pains, learning on the job. Compared to a guy who was a 30-year head coach, I, I just I, I think that Brian Kelly would have figured out a way, you know, to make this work and the foundation, you know, because you know, for one thing, if Brian Kelly is the head coach, Al Golden's not the defensive coordinator. Correct. And other guys on this staff, you don't know if they would have been attracted to Brian, you know, like who would have come, who would have gone. Sure. The staff would the staff composition, probably what, at least four different spots would look different right now. You know, like Harry Heastand wouldn't wouldn't be no, here. that's a guarantee. Jeff Quinn would probably now that would have you know potentially been an issue. Like would Dell Alexander still be yeah, here? You know, probably. so like things were going to look a lot different. How much difference that makes, I don't know. But I, I I don't think it was necessarily him kind of examining this roster and deciding that was the time to you know to make the move. I, I agree. It's about it's about paycheck. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and it's about him wanting to be appreciated. Yeah, yeah. It's, he wants to be loved. He wants to be patted on the back. You know, he wants all this that you know. He wants to be the center of attention. And he wasn't getting that anymore. He was the old dog. Come on, Milton fan. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> he said it was the best rant ever. As well, by the way. So. Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. 
My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com